welcome everybody to the final episode of season 1 of top tip we doesn't podcast if this was a video podcast you could see the smile on my face you could see how excited i am to you know, to wrap up this season 1 in such a successful way personally speaking i myself feel really fulfilled that i started this podcast because the journey has really been crazy I started this podcast by recording this podcast in my phone you know my voice was really trembling you know I was really shaking when I recorded my first podcast but today I am recording this podcast with with a good camera you know in front of a good mic as well and my I feel I'm confident enough you know to have a great conversation and then all of this has been possible only because of the support of you guys you know listeners to all those guests who have jumped into the podcast you know, and beard me as well you know and who have shared so many values that I learned on each episode as well. And personally I would like to thank each of my friends colleagues who have shared tips about you know how I could improve on each episode. Shout out to every listener, every guest and every person who supported to me in this podcast journey. And I hope that in season 2 as well I'll get the same amount of support, same amount of love and I'm always looking to you know improve, you know I'm always looking to get your feedback as well. So before I begin to talk about the podcast and you know what exactly we going to be talking on this episode i want to wish you all a happy new year in advance as well and also i hope that you all had an amazing christmas time so anyone tuning in new to this podcast this podcast is designed and dedicated to support university students recent graduates and active job seekers so what generally i do being a host in this podcast is i bring in an interview a lot of industry leaders recruiters co-founders of various company who come in and share the tips that could be helpful in your job seeking journey as well so on this very episode of top tip with us podcast i have invited an amazing friend amazing mentor amazing coach and also an amazing co-founder of a company that is doing so much of work to support international students to be more employable ladies and gentlemen put your hands together for yusuf sahir talking a little bit about yusuf yusuf is the founder of pratship and the best selling author of the cradget Yusuf has delivered hundreds of consultation webinars and workshops to international students and graduates alike. Due to his employability involvement, Yusuf was named as an emerging leader and featured in the top 50 Australian professional magazine. To be really honest with you all, it is an absolute honor to have Yusuf on the podcast. Personally speaking, you know this guy is such a legend. You know he shares so much of values to each international student whenever he meets. You know not just through his companies, but in person. If you meet this. you will be amazed about the amount of value you get him you know it's just crazy and you everybody who meets him you know he's genuinely offering help in any ways he could as well so it is an absolute honor to have him on the podcast without any further ado let's jump into the pod and you know let's learn from yusuf about ways we as an international student or we as an graduate could make ourselves ready for the year 22 and you know be more employable so let's jump into the pod and let's hear more from yusuf Welcome to Top Tip with Tarzan Yusuf. How you been, mate? I've been good. I've been good, brother. How are you? Good to see you. I'm doing really well, brother. Good to see you too, man. A couple of minutes ago, we were talking about the fireworks in Melbourne as well. So, how often you go to fireworks? Is it your like third, fifth years or? Uh, to be honest, I uh, went a few years ago. Um, I love seeing them, of course, like everyone else, but they tend to be packed. So uh, you know, it's just like you try to find the right spots and everything. 
But yeah, I, I did go last time was three years ago, two, two years ago before the pandemic. Flagstaff Gardens, a good spot, Federation Square, you know, the usual spots, yeah. Uh-huh. Have you been? Have you seen the fireworks yourself? I have seen it, but a little bit from far away. But I'm this year, I'm yeah. my definitely, you know, my one of my goals for the new SCB is to you know, see the fireworks to close here. Because last year, I had my whole day off and two days for the new year, but they didn't really do the fireworks. I don't know why, particularly in Melbourne. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, yeah they I think this year should be less crowded, if anything, should be better because less people are in CBDs now and more people regional camping. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how this year is for fireworks, yeah. Hopefully, you know, we, we don't get into lockdown, you know, like we everybody's really excited to see the fireworks. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. There's that like suspense in there. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's suspense, yeah, suspense. Like the Spider-Man movie, you know, it's really suspense yeah. in that way. Exactly, exactly. Very much so, very much so. You know, people are like, you know, it's freedom and everything, but, you know, everyone's still on the edge. So fingers yeah. crossed, fingers crossed you all goes well for New Year. Yeah, mate. And yeah, let's talk about you, by the way. You've been doing really, really a lot through um, GradShip. You have done an amazing job by, you know, publishing GradGate as well. Before we jump into GradShip and GradGate, let's talk a little bit about your previous experience. I see you have worked at EY, Deloitte, Commonwealth as well, you know. So how did you um, enter in the industry of human resource, by the way? Sure, sure. Uh, I guess a bit of background is really interesting because like most students and graduates you sort of don't know what you're doing you get first year university second year graduate and there is that lack of clarity right so i started did a couple of years of engineering civil engineering didn't really enjoy the course i was doing a double degree back then um so focus more it's like engineering and business focus more on the business side of things um in business ended up studying accounting graduated worked in auditing so that's how i got into the big four so in the auditing division was most assurance Mm-hmm. Um, sort of didn't mind there, but it was a bit dry. And through the graduate rotations, we sort of see different departments and we got seconded to different clients. So that was the case for me with Deloitte, was seconded to Commonwealth Bank and sort of worked there. And that work was mostly in human resources. And that was where I was exposed more there. And mm-hmm. since then, just slowly transitioned to that field as opposed to accounting. And um, yeah, I've been doing that for the last four or five years. And last year is when I started sort of graduate, just focusing on graduates and students with uh, employability and human resources in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And uh, when in regards to human resources, was it something that you always thought you would be doing or was it kind of, you know, exploring and stuff? I think it's a... Yeah, I want to say it's a bit of both, but not really. I didn't like grow up saying, ah, oh, this is my passion and that sort of thing. It's more about when, you know, I'm a people's person. I love dealing with people, love helping people, love doing what I can um, to support people. But, you know, professionally speaking, it's more about those sort of transferable skills. So mm-hmm. you go to, you know, especially in consulting and the big four, um, you're trying to solve problems to clients, right? So human resources, in a way, you're solving problems uh, internally for the company to hire better people, mm-hmm. um, to have good processes, you know, and externally to actually get the right candidates to get people jobs. That's the recruitment side of it, right? Mm-hmm. So in a way, I was just drawn into it. I didn't really, you know, actively think about it. And then when I was drawn into it, slowly I developed the interest and developed the interest in a specific area of human resources, which, which is the graduates and students. Obviously, human resources has more like payroll and 
you know, talent development and organizational behavior and other aspects, but I focus more on this aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's more about the transferable skills and mm-hmm. the more I did it, the more sort of liked it and that's how, you know, started being in that field. Um, and um, like, was there any struggle? Like, did you had any challenges when you were, you know, like uh, entering in, the, in this big four companies, for example, uh, getting into like PwC or let's say, for example, Deloitte or EY as well. It's, it's, it's a really challenging thing. So was there any struggle that you faced or not? Um, yes, there was. Absolutely. I mean, it's not, you know... It's really interesting because some people, you know, when I was at university, you would see someone in the big four, they're like, you know, you got in the big four, it's so good. And of course, they're good companies and they do train you and it's great, but it's not impossible to get in, first of all. Uh, Second of all, once you get your first job, whether it's in the big four or not, um, it's a lot easier to move jobs, right? So for me, once I got the first graduate role, so graduate roles tend to be, just to clarify, tend to be more competitive than other entry-level roles, right? Mm-hmm. So most of your audience, you know, students, graduates, they focus more on graduate roles. These spots are limited and they tend to be competitive, right? So in my case, I applied for all the big four, applied all the other companies, you know, the typical graduate experience, uh, getting those emails every day and apply again and see on LinkedIn. But the reality is if you apply more for entry-level jobs as opposed to graduate programs, you have a much higher chance and less recruitment time. Mm-hmm. Um, so my struggle was more most of the time. I missed all the graduate applications, you know, because mm-hmm. they close a year in advance. No one really tells you that. It's sort of in the final year. And, oh, I, need a, I need to get a job. What should I do now? And uh, yeah. went to the career center, tried to, you know, work in the resume interviews and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, luckily for me, there was a mid-year intake at Deloitte back then. Um, they still do that um, in some divisions. But yeah, I, I guess with the graduate roles, the key is to start early. If you're planning to do these programs, start really early. They close in March, April, typically every year. Um, and if you miss them, don't worry too much because the industry is a lot more than these graduate roles. There's a lot more entry-level um, you know, uh, spots available. So focus more on these as opposed to graduate roles. And if your goal is to get to the big four, get to a specific company, you can always get there. It doesn't have to be your first job. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about this graduate role, because you talked about, you know, like, does you even yourself, when you were in your last year, you now you have to adjust to, you know, get to jobs. And the thing is that the more the position are lower, for example, entry level roles, uh, whether it be graduate or junior as well, it is really competitive as well. So when it comes to the in context of international student, you know, how do you think they should be preparing? Like, for example, um, like me, myself, I started this whole thing in 2020, which was around my third year as well. Uh, and people, you know, they sometimes feel that, oh, now we, it's too late. We can't really get into this job and they feel like they need to study more. How do you think like international students, they could tackle these sort of, you know, circumstances? Absolutely. So that's a really good question. Um you know, being employable and finding your first job, especially for international students, um, there's a lot of uh, more than one moving piece. You know, the key aspects or the key, I guess, factors for international students, which is local experience and visa. So to address those, you have to be slightly more creative in your approach. Of course, if you start early, first year, second year, that's ideal. Reality is most people like myself, you don't know anything about jobs, you're about to graduate, oh, I need to get a job and you start, you know, in panic mode. And that's okay, you can still do that, right? Me and thousands of graduates get jobs every year after they graduate, weeks, months later, that's okay. 
So you want to address two things, the visa and the local experience. The visa obviously get the proper legal advice and everything. But as I said earlier, for the visa aspect, try to focus more on small and medium employers. Avoid the big companies at the beginning, just because all the big, not all, most of the big companies have a bias against international students, against visa holders. And therefore, you are a lot more likely to find a job in a small and medium company than a big company. For the local experience, you know, it's all about getting that um, exposure early on. Exposure meaning volunteering counts as experience. Your retail and hospitality job counts as experience. Your extracurricular activities, your, uh, you know, the work, the projects that you're doing on your own, any other projects count as experience. What I'm finding is a lot of international students shy away from selling themselves or thinking that what they have is experience because they say, I don't have any corporate experience, therefore I don't have experience, which is not true. You know, all of this kind of experience. So as a student, your goal is to get as much experience as you can in those fields. Of course, if you get an internship, that's ideal, but it's not the end of the world if you don't. You can still accumulate experience to make yourself more employable in the local market because local experience ranks a lot higher, as you would know, than international experience and education and so on. So your goal is to be involved in as many things as you can that relate to your you know, skills that you're trying to get. As soon as you, you know, ideally before you graduate, but if you graduated, get involved. It's not too late to get more employable using those experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of international students, they, they don't really understand the concept that like experience doesn't mean to be like a, you know, particularly any industry. You could either have like transferable skills as well, or even like the project that you are doing in your final year. For example, I built a project as well, and that was my whole project as well. So I was my own project manager. I was my own mentor as well at the time, you know, so it's like, I think the point we, we miss out as an international student particularly is the way to sell ourselves in the market. It doesn't mean in a wrong way, but in, in, in a good absolutely. way. Absolutely, absolutely. You touch on a really good point, um, which is transferable skills, right? So, because think about it, not just international students, any graduate, right? You study something, you do more group work, you graduate, you start one role, two roles, three roles. If you ask any professional five years on, you know, what they do literally has nothing to do with their degree, right? But what they've learned on the way is those transferable skills. So as you said in your project, right? Whether you do a project on your own, which teaches you uh, time management, commitment, discipline, or you do it with other group members, which teaches you emotional intelligence, you know, um, project coordination skills, uh, dealing with conflict. This is transferable. You know, these skills you're gonna take to the workplace. Now, I hate to break it to your audience, but, you know, it doesn't get any better in the workplace. You're still going to have to work with people you don't like and you disagree with, but you get the work done, right? Because you've both matured to understand the scope of work, how to deal with difficult characters, difficult situations. Mm -hmm. Those skills, the earlier you learn them on, like on campus, in university, on your uh, volunteering projects, on your own project, the more employable you'll be. The easier it makes, you know, it makes it for yourself and for the employer to deal with these issues. So transferable skills, you know, number one being communication, problem solving, teamwork, all of these skills are transferable. You know, it is so you can do it in accounting and on human resources and design and project management, 
any industry requires these skills. So it's really important to focus more on the skills as opposed to the job title or the degree. Yeah, no, and I, I really love how you covered the whole topic about you know, how many skills you could actually learn when you're working on your own later, later. It can be uh, emotional intelligence as well. You know? And a lot of time today, like in this 2021 period, when a lot of companies are trying to go digital because they were more traditional, um, it's not about technical skills that much, but still they need technical skills. But in regards to junior role or just getting out yourself in the market, um, there is some skills which are mostly related to soft skills, which can be only learned through maybe from the university, volunteering, or, or even working transferable jobs as well. Like, for example, I worked as a bartender or a waiter or even a kitchen. And, you know, so there was time management, there was customer service and also dealing with the rejection. For example, if a customer orders a food and if there is nothing in the kitchen that they can serve of that kind, the way of understanding and the way of, you know, making the customer believe that, oh, this is not available, you could get this, is also something we could use in professional life as well, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. That's a really good skill, right? Emotional intelligence, which means you can understand the situation and communicate accordingly. Regardless of the situation, you could be a bartender, you could be uh, in hospitality, you could be a cleaner, you, whatever position you're in, you're still going to have to deal with people. People are emotional beings, right? You have to understand, you know, even, in, you know, with clients, once you start working and dealing with clients, the way you communicate, and it's not just verbal, right, in high-tension mode. It's also the way you text, the way you email, professional language. That's very important. And as you said, employers definitely look for these skills, you know, being proactive, understanding what the problem is, uh, more importantly, looking for problems to solve them. So as a graduate or entry-level role, mm -hmm. you'll be doing a bit of everything. Your role is not as defined as it should be yet because mm -hmm. you don't have a specialty. The more you advance and do more of something, the more you specialize. But in the first few months or years, mm -hmm. you, you will be expected to be proactive and ask questions and go around and look for work and so on. So that skill is very important, is that you're able to adapt to the situation and learn whatever skill you need to get you to the next level. And yeah, as you know, that chef example was good dealing with customer because in the workplace, you still have these issues. The client expects something, you can't deliver that within time or within budget or whatever the reason is, how are you gonna deal with it, right? That's a problem solving skill, how the way you communicate it. So very important transferable skill there. Yeah, and, and, and it is really important. For example, um, any international student who come to Australia, whether it be international student or even migrant, migrant as well, you know, they come from different country in this third world country and they try to understand, for example, language and stuff. But the thing is that when you start in any job, every job is teaching you something, you know, like it, it doesn't matter what job you are really doing. Even if your passion is somewhere different and you want to be a corporate person, every job that you do, is actually teaching you every bits and pieces. For example, you being involved in so many bigger companies and even you had a lot of experience at the university, that is what shaped you to the person you are today. And the communication issue, the empathy towards international student you are creating, it's, it's all because of the foundation you had earlier, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I don't shy away from it, right? In the book, I mentioned all of that. It's about... Those experiences on campus, those casual jobs, doing door-to-door -door sales, doing cleaning, doing customer service, you know, these give you really important life skills that you would not get anywhere else. And these life skills are important in a professional setting. Now they're important, as you said, with empathy, with dealing with people, you understand, you're able to connect to certain people, their situation. 
But more importantly, when you work in a professional setting, you're able to um, network with people easily, right? Form a genuine relationship with someone. Your ability to form a, I guess, a relationship with someone, whether professional or personal, increases dramatically once you've been in their situation, once you understand where they're coming from, once you um, understand the circumstances, you're a good listener, you know, um, active listening. There's a lot of these skills that you're not going to get taught at university. Um, it's not part of your curriculum, right? Um, how to, yeah, how to deal with difficult situations, how to understand the problem, try to solve it. These are the, I guess, the skills that are transferable, but uh, they're not really taught at school or university, right? They're more of a life skill. And that's, in a way, international students um, have a good foundation because, you know, you've come from a different country, most likely a different language, different culture altogether, and you're here to adapt, right? So you already have um, a lot of that, you know, in you because of the situation. You just haven't activated or transferred it to the workplace or you haven't actively thought about it as a skill because for you that's always been your life right dealing with those struggles so it's, it's really important to value that experience and not be too hard on yourself when you don't have professional experience because this life experience will mean that you'll advance a lot further once you actually get in the workforce yeah absolutely life experience is something you know like that no any university could teach because everybody have their own personal life as well and you managing your own life you could call yourself a project manager of your own life you know and it's it, it's it's really interesting you know a lot of people sometimes tend to forget that they are managing their own life they are managing their own finances so you are your own accountant you are your own project manager as well you know, and you are your own fitness course as well Absolutely. You're in you are uh, in charge of everything literally right um, where you live who you live with what you eat, what you uh, do for exercise, what you do to find a job, the relationships you do, the places you go, you are literally in charge of your work journey, right? So regardless of what sort of goals you have for this year, next year, you know, it's, it's, it's a perspective changing thing, you know? I read this because like, you know, his whole life changed when he realized he has a choice. And you actually have a choice every day in how you want to go forward. Now, of course, you know, your trajectory will be different to someone else, but it doesn't mean that you don't have a choice in how you approach problems, right? So exactly understanding that you have a choice in, in you know, in what things and, you know, you want to do in your preferences will make a big difference in the mindset and also a big difference in the actions you take to get you that job or whatever you're trying to get there. Yep. We talked a lot about choices and disasters. Let's talk about your book now, Matt. It's really amazing, Matt. Like, I actually really love the book, the way it, it talks about employability and being more employable in such a simpler way. It's, it's really hard to actually find out there. So usually what happens is when you see in LinkedIn, for example, um, is that when people try to teach you about, let's say, resumes or being active on LinkedIn or also being more employable, there are a lot of use of bigger words and it's quite expensive in context of, you know, like for international students, to be honest with you, but the way you have simplified your experiences and you have pointed people towards ways to be employable, it's really amazing. Let's talk about how did you start with the idea of writing the book, Mike? Thank you. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. So the idea of the book, um, well, it started last year um, in lockdown, you know, when I started graduate, I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, consultations, answering a lot of emails, questions with students. And in a way, I was repeating the same information again and again and again, right? You know, about 
this is how you write a resume, this is how you answer an interview question, this is what you should do to find certain jobs, right? This is what you should put on your LinkedIn. And after doing it for a while, I'm like, surely there's a better way to do it, where of course I'm happy to answer questions, but there should be some sort of a guide that I can share. And I put this, you know, sort of PDF document, it was like 20 or 30 pages about all of these we just talked about, like, you know, interviews, you know, questions, resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn, and so on. And then the more I've written about it, then I realized, ah, there's more to it. What if I share a personal story, right? What if I add a personal touch as opposed to like just a Q&A? Um, and that's when I guess, you know, in Melbourne's second lockdown, lost track of family lockdowns, but um, last year, that's when I decided, okay, that's going to be a book. So um, just like any project, you underestimate how much work is required. Um, but yeah, essentially ended up doing the book I guess, you know, in terms of self-publishing, so editing, designing, and everything publishing. But as I said, the whole scope of the book is for international students and graduates, not necessarily international, it could be local, um, to realize what can you do in your current stage, whether you're at first year of university, second year, you just graduated, or you graduated some time ago and still can't find a job. What can you do right now? What are the actions that you can do to get you that job, to make yourself employable, to find that, you know, uh, basically network of professionals that can help you. So, and it's, it's really interesting you say that you can relate, so that's good to know, but it was more about, I wrote it in a very raw language. Um, that's really, and then the editor was like, you know, this is a bit too raw, maybe you want to <laughs> find it a little bit and everything. So we went back and forth. Yeah. Um, but end of the day, I really tried to keep it as conversational as possible without adding sort of that formal language, because that's not how I speak. That's not how students will perceive it. So I'm glad that you found it more, I guess, you know, relatable and conversational because that was the aim of that content. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, and I think that raw part uh, and also you telling your story in, in the real way, for example, when I meet you, when I, I've met you a couple of times as well, and the way you talk with me and the way you um, support international student as well. And that's exactly the way people could actually learn as well, you know, from that book. And you actually read an amazing book because the numbers looks as well great because you were like best-selling um, author in like a couple of categories as well. And you were actually nominated for 2021 finalist for the career book of the year, isn't it? See. Thank you. Yes, yes, that is true. Thanks, Tazan. So what happened is, yeah, obviously you had to learn a lot about Amazon categories, but um, it, it uh, you know, in the first week of launch, they count how many downloads and, you know, so on. So um, it's ranked number one in the resumes and the job hunting um, categories. Mm -hmm. And later that year, you know, the, career, uh, the Australian Award book, uh, Career Award book, basically, you know, book of the year. Um, mm -hmm. It's got the badge of the finalist, but um, it was a finalist uh, between, you know, five other books so that, that was a really good one way to cap that you know that piece of work so um yeah no, very proud of it of course you know i'm just glad it got out there you know it's um it's one of those projects that you it's hard to see the end before you actually do it because yeah. it's a lot of work obviously during but i'm of course very happy with the end product and yeah proud that you know many students like yourself got to benefit from it Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things, uh, I, I don't think I mentioned you this earlier, uh, but what I need to mention it today is that you are one of those limited people, you know, who is genuinely helping international students throughout the lockdown. And you actually didn't charge a penny for, with them as well, because before you starting the grad ship, because I know that because I have met you during the pandemic period, 
you helped so many international students, including me as well, um, in regards to resume, LinkedIn and stuff as well. And But you never asked anything in return. Um, I just wanted to uh, clarify over here. Did you think of starting a company before giving the services as well? Or was it helping those to do, student led you to start a company? I think that's a good question. Um, it's a bit of both. Obviously, the idea when I started GradTech last year, um, obviously, it's a business, so I want to make it profitable. But I'm in it for the long term, right? So because I'm in it for the long term, um, I really believe in those values of like giving without return, um, focus on the long term, servicing others while you can, right? Because I was, uh, you know, I'm grateful that I was in a position financially where I don't need immediate pace. I don't need that, you know, money. And therefore, I'm able to give more value, right? And the more value, I guess, and the more advice I gave, um, the better I got to listen to stories like yourself and others, the better I got to, um, well, fine-tune the content as well. So that also helped me in the workshops, in the book, like, okay, students need more of this, less of that. So... In a way, I was really happy and I'm still happy to give a lot of, um, you know, of that advice because that gives me obviously meaning, but also gives me a, a bit of feedback of how can I better serve uh, in the future for future cohorts. So it was a win-win situation in a way. Uh, and then lockdown, of course, you know, with everything that's happened with international students and, you know, a lot of them would have worked in hospitality and retail. That was impossible. So I, I was more than happy to do that, you know, you know, with no charge. So it's... Yeah, it was, a, it was a really interesting time. I hope we don't never go again there, but you know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, just fingers yeah. crossed. Mate. And because uh, um, I, I found out a number that uh, you said you have helped more than 2,000 students, and I'm pretty sure you have helped around 4,000 students as well. Um, what is one of the number one thing that you have seen that international students are struggling and experience a lot of hardship when it comes to becoming more employable? The number one thing is they don't know that they need help. So, and this is not just international students, also local students. You graduate from university and you think your approach is the right approach because no one has taught you otherwise. And that was me a few years ago. I graduated. I had this really, really bad resume. Um, didn't even know what a cover letter is. Didn't have LinkedIn. And started doing what every other graduate does. Went on Seek, applied for like 20 jobs a day. Went on, you know, then I made a LinkedIn, applied for another 20 jobs a day, never got a response for like two, three months straight, like every single day, right? So that, I didn't know that what, what I was doing is completely the wrong approach because no one has actually taught me how to, how to find a job, how to write a resume, how to interview well, um, why is LinkedIn important? No one has actually taught me. So I find that also with international students is that, you come here and you do what you have to do thinking that you're doing it right, but no one has actually taught you there's a better, more efficient way of doing things and it will save you a lot of frustration. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying here, you know, finding a job is like, you know, you graduate, you find a job. It might take you some time. You might find a job before you graduate, but if you do it in a systematic and structured way, you will get there a lot faster and without that unnecessary emotional burden because... I was a job seeker myself. It's not a fun experience, you know, applying, getting those rejection emails, um, just feeling that you're not employable, feeling like I can't even get a job. Like, you know, I had good grades. I had some experience. 
I can't get a job. Maybe it's not for me, right? Having that self-doubt, it's not a fun experience. So the number one thing, international students don't know that they need help, right? So part of my work is also educational. I'm like, it's okay, even if you don't choose my services, just realize there are services out there to help you for resume writing, for interviews, for job searching techniques. You need to seek those services because it's gonna make your life a lot easier um, if you do. And it will be a bit difficult for you to overcome them if you don't seek those services. So I think that's the number one thing I find in international students. Of course, there's all the more in detail, but you know, resumes and like LinkedIn and interviews, but mm -hmm. generally speaking, students don't need, uh, don't think that they need help. And that's the tricky bit is to let them know they actually need help. And here's where you to where to find that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, like uh, when the money is involved, um, international students tend to think that um, that's a salesy thing and it's not the requirement as well. Um, so when it comes to educational part for them to, you know, um, use anybody's services or get any help, it's more kind of educational thing as well. So where do you think they need to start uh, so that they could understand that they either need the help or they could actually get some mentor to, you know, to be more employable? Yeah, absolutely. I think start where you are, meaning every international student here is studying somewhere, whether it's the college, university, um, you know, big campus, small campus, regardless of the size, start there. Every one of them has some career service, right? Doesn't matter if it's a huge office or just one person, start there, ask those questions. Ask, do you have uh, anyone helping with jobs? Is there an internship department? What about job readiness? Industry-based learning? Do you have uh, resume checks here? Do you help me with the LinkedIn? Ask those questions because all of them do, right? In different capacities. Of course, some of them are more funded and active than others. Some of them are not. But start where you are. Ask those services from your institution first. Then there is another layer, right? Some students, well, most students have come here um, through an agency or through a migra migration agency or through an educational consultancy. These uh, institutions or you know, companies also have partners ask about these services, right? So start where you are. Don't look for external, someone you haven't met or you don't know about. Start with the services you're already paying for because that's part of your degree. University, career centers are funded by your money, you know, by your degree, so start there. Other than that, the government is slowly putting more programs. They have slacked a lot in the past, but now Victorian government and federal government, they're putting a lot of these like study Melbourne, for example, for those who are in Melbourne or study Adelaide or study Brisbane. They're putting a lot of money to make sure that you actually get some value out of education, get some value out of your investment education. Start there, right? Now, obviously, graduate started to bridge that gap because even with Study Melbourne, with all the universities, with graduate, with what I do, with everyone, there is a huge demand in the market and there isn't enough supply. So as an international student, that's not your problem. Just utilize your resources, the ones you currently have at hand, you will be in a better position, right? And there's always the volunteering and asking for mentors and networking through LinkedIn that we can go, you know, talk more about. But start where you are, um, utilize the resources you have before you start, you know, feeling like you're going, you know, above or away from your comfort zone and, you know, with strangers or companies you've never heard about. Or That's why I understand that skepticism because there's a lot of people helping international students but start with trusted resources, your institutions, the government that's funding those programs. Those are fairly credible resources that don't require uh, any extra funding from your end.
Yeah, man, because I think there is a lot of resources, particularly in Victoria, there is a lot, a lot. And for example, yourself, you know, you were offering a lot of free events as well. And I think um, people could actually use those sort of events as well. Now, yep, you're saying something? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Of course, like, um, there's still a lot of free things that we do. Um, free resume, you know, free consultation for those who need, like, we do a lot of free services to make sure that students get some level of support, right? Of course, there's more premium services, but, you know, bottom line is at GradShip, we're committed to actually enhancing students' employability, graduate employability, that's what we do. So, yes, just like the work I do, the work that a lot of people do, there are these services, just as a student, you're not exposed to them or you're not aware of them, right? Um, so it's good to find people like yourself as a hard practice who are aware of what's happening in the market as well. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about is um, the start for any international student. Like, for example, um, there is a lot of buzzword about personal branding, LinkedIn, you know, tailor your resume, cover letter. But one thing I have noticed is uh, stepping onto their foot as well uh, and being a first international student is that I can sometimes get confused, you know, there is a, a lot of resources, there is a lot of information out there, but sometimes there's this com- confusion and also there is this you know, dilemma of where should I start first as well. Um, so when it in regards to a graduate looking for a job um, in any industry, where should they start first? Is it LinkedIn? Is it networking? Or is it crafting a resume? What do you suggest as being an expert who has helped more than 2,000 students? Yeah, sure. Now, there are two um, aspects to that question, right? If you're a graduate looking for a job, obviously there is the immediate need of finances. You need to sustain yourself, right? So like you would know, like many, you know, in hospitality, retail, secure yourself financially before you start looking for a job of your choice, right? So that's the first thing that should be on your mind. Um, I've done that in the past when I was looking for a job as a graduate. I kept working in my hospitality job because you'll be in a much better headspace, better position. When you have some finances, you can think logically without being desperate when you're applying for jobs, right? So secure yourself first. Um, There is no shortage of jobs now, even with international students, even with only 20 hours a week or two weeks. There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of jobs, as we talked about, you know, bartending, cleaning, hospitality. Secure yourself financially, that would be the first thing. Secure yourself financially, first step, right? That's out of the way, you have the funds, you can live comfortably, just the basics, good. Now, what sort of job do you wanna get, right? So that's, that's where it differs on the industry. Now, I'm a big advocate for LinkedIn because if you Google anyone's name, right now your audience can try it, Google anyone's name, you'll see LinkedIn as the first or second result all the time. So LinkedIn algorithm is very smart. And because of that, any potential employer will Google your name and they're gonna see your LinkedIn presence or lack thereof, right? So have some basic LinkedIn presence. I would say that's a must. You don't have to be active on LinkedIn. You don't have to post anything. Just have a basic profile that's professional, that speaks a bit about what you've done, right? that have some presence. Second thing is almost any job you wanna apply for will require a resume, right? More or less, even hospitality and retail, they'll expect you to have a one page with availability or something on your resume. Do a resume, right? So resumes, um, I know there's a lot of you know people who think they're outdated. 
of course, there are better ways to explain yourself for a job and video, uh, you know, introductions and stuff. But resumes are still predominantly the main way, your main selling document to any job, right? So get a good resume. As we said of the resources before, your university, your career center, whatever they have you. Gratchup, we have a free resume review. Anyone in your audience can go to gratchup.com.au. Upload your resume. We'll give you free feedback on your resume based on the jobs you're applying for, right? So good LinkedIn presence. It shouldn't take you long. Um, resume, before anything else, like secure yourself financially. That would be the first step. So finances, LinkedIn, resume. And then we can take it further to more long-term. Where do you actually want to go? Do you want to work more in government, NGOs, uh, consulting, you know, auditing, engineering? Then becomes a bit more specific. But if you're a graduate who just graduated looking for a job, you're really much better, you know, thinking strategically about what you want to do instead of that, you know, what I did and what most of your audience would have done in the past, spray and pray, like just apply, 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 get rejection, rejection, rejection. It's a really bad cycle because you, you're emotionally drained. Every time you get a rejection, it's like, why am I getting rejected? Why am I not employed? Because you haven't thought about it in a structured way. So, you know, focusing quality as opposed to quantity also, you know, makes a difference. That's why I say make a LinkedIn, make a resume. A quality resume makes a huge difference, not just for a person, but for the softwares that read the resume versus a resume that you're just applying everywhere that's not really tailored to any job, right? So I would, yeah, in that order, secure yourself financially, LinkedIn, resume. I would say that those would be the first tips. Well, and I think it's it's really important as well. Like you know, whenever you go to look for job as well, firstly you need to have a home to live. You need to you know be fit as well. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you're not gonna be in the right headspace when you're applying yeah. for a job that you need that you cannot sustain yourself without getting that job. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so we have two more questions to go before we wrap up this final yeah, sure. session so this episode is going to be final session uh, episode of 2021 um so one question is there is going to be an amazing year 2022 which all of us are expecting as well so the borders are opening and a lot of international students are coming in as well uh, so how can an international student prepare themselves for 2022 because we have seen a different job market in 2021 there was kind of you know huge demand and less supply as well what, when it comes to 2022, how can an international student, whether it be a recent graduate or a fresh international student who just started his study, prepare himself or herself or themselves to be more employable on the year 2022? Nice. That's a really good one. Um, yes, a few things have changed in the market in the last two years. Absolutely. Um, that being said, there are those things that you can do in any year. Always you need to do these things to make yourself more employable. So in terms of things that have changed, this is a bit, I guess, you know, unconventional advice, but I would encourage everyone in your audience to learn Microsoft Excel, just Microsoft Excel. It's very used, very powerful, even if you're not from a technical background, if you're not from engineering or accounting or data analytics, it is used in some capacity. Microsoft Excel is a very powerful tool learn how to use it, right? That's a very practical tip. You can just go online, LinkedIn Learning, Udemy Coursera, learn the basics. So that's something that really makes you more employable. They're just that software. Second thing that makes you more employable, besides all the things that we talked about, resume and LinkedIn, is networking. Like actually get to start conversations with people who are not necessarily in your industry, right? So I'm a live example of that. I 
studied engineering and then, you know, it was commerce and business and accounting and human resources and I worked with universities. So if I think about myself back in March last year, I had zero knowledge of the higher education, graduated seven years ago, had no connections with universities, international students, you know, graduates, no idea what's going on. But I started that conversation slowly. So you have to start networking, meaning meeting people um, in numbers, quantity, but more importantly, meeting people quality. So actually getting to know someone, forming that genuine connection. Now, because we are in that limbo between pandemic, not pandemic, lockdown, that's why I emphasize a lot on LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn is a very powerful tool. And I love, for example, the work you do is that you put yourself out there, you put posts, even for those who haven't met you in person, they already know of your work. They already know who you are, right? So start using those tools. It doesn't have to be LinkedIn. You don't have to post a lot, but start putting yourself out there. If there is an event that you want to, you know, event of interest to you, whether it's volunteering, whether it's a student club, be more active on campus, be more active in these online events, because that essentially makes a difference for you a year on versus someone who didn't participate in these events. So network more, have it as an active exercise for you, not something that happens if you have time, actually put time for you to Get to know more people, whether they're students, they're mentors, they're uh, human resource professionals, they're recruiters. Doesn't matter what the industry is, just start the conversation early on. You covered every part from networking to using LinkedIn and stuff as well. And I think it's, it's really amazing how you uh, mentioned the part of starting conversation of people out of the industry. For example, I studying engineering, but getting interest on international student and employability, you know, me being able to connect with people from different industry has given me more exposure and also have given me the opportunity to understand what is happening on various industries. So I think it's really important to, you know, connect with people, not just from your industry, but also out of your industry as well. Exactly, exactly. And you're a clear example of that. Like if you think about what you technically studied versus what you do day to day versus the relationships that you've built on the way, it's a really interesting journey because you've put yourself out there, you started connecting with individuals. You know, the reason we're having this conversation is we met initially on LinkedIn, right? So people don't underestimate the power of networking, getting in proximity with people you want to learn from and teach and so on. So it's really important, you know, networking, back to your point, like get to know more people, you know, in a general sure. way. No, yeah. yeah. Um, before we um, wrap up this, um, our episode, what's number one tip you you would like to share with uh, international student in regards to employability for like even for the holiday season you know number one tip that they need to you know focus on that could be helpful for any international student i put you in the spotlight right <laughs> number one tip that they need to focus on um it's gonna be interesting i would say um embrace the journey Right, and that's the title of chapter four in the book. I didn't get a whole chapter just for that. I believe in it. What I mean by that, embracing the journey is think about like reality is your life is a lot more than six weeks or six months or even a year or two that you don't have a job, right? Look at the big picture, big picture. Forget about that frustration that you get from the email about that rejection offer, about why you're not getting that job in two months or three months or six months. Think about the big picture, right? You should be proud of how, how long you've come as a person. You've come to this foreign country. You've started learning all these skills, probably learned a new language, started you know, being adaptable. Embrace that journey. Like what you're going through is unique. It's your own. 
you share a lot of commonalities with others, but end of the day, you get to write your story and inspire others and, you know, speak more about the experiences that you're going through. So don't be too hard on yourself if over the holidays you feel like having got a job, I've been applying for three, four months, that's okay, right? I was out of job for seven months. I was working, you know, in hospital and retail, that's okay. And I'm not unique. I'm sure there's a lot of international students who are doing their best to find a job. Don't take it as a reflection of you, right? Your first job will not be your last. And, you know, ongo there's ongoing development. You always can go to bigger companies, whatever role you want. So look at the big picture. Don't be focused too much on one specific small thing and take a step back and just be proud of your journey. So embrace the journey. That would be the thing I would say to your audience in the new year. Just embrace who you are. Now, that's the tip that we call for holiday. Man. It, it's really amazing how you say it about um, like, because you get to write your own story. And I think a lot of international students, not international students, even local students or anybody, you know, who are, whether it be they're looking for a job or anything, it, they need to be a little bit of kind to themselves. And, you know, you get to write your own story. For example, you are Yusuf, who, were, who studied engineering, went to human um, resources. And now you are an author. You are, you are a co-founder. of You are a founder of own company as well, you know, so... I think you get to write your own story. It's the one of the biggest tips, right? Exactly. No, thank you, Tarzan. This is very interesting. Um, it's a shame that we have such a limited time because I enjoy, you know, getting your insights and really great questions you have there as well. It is an absolute an honor to, you know, to have you on the podcast and learn a lot of from you because I'm one of those people who actually started the journey uh, through uh, learning from you and, and a guy who is in New Zealand as well. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing so much of insight, man. And I just wish you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll meet soon, my friend. Thank you very much. Thanks, brother. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your audience. Thank Take you. Bye-bye. I just wanted to take this opportunity and thank each and every one of you for jumping into the board and, you know, showing your support for this podcast. I hope that you were able to get some values out of the board. And also, I would like to thank Yusuf, you know, for jumping into the board, giving his valuable time and sharing so many insightful tips about ways we as an international student or graduates can be more employable, you know, in the year 2022. As I wrap up this final session, I just wanted to thank each and every listener, you know, for supporting me throughout this journey. You know, it has been really, really crazy journey for me. I'm really grateful to each and every individual who has supported to me in this journey by sharing feedback or listening to the podcast and genuinely texting me and talking about you know ways i could improve as well so please 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 feel free to share you know your feedback your suggestion i would love to hear all from you since this is final episode and i'm preparing more for season two as well i would love to hear from each and every one of you if you have listened till the end feel free to share what would you like to hear in season two what sort of stuff you want me to cover in season two what sort of guest you want me to bring in on season two feel free to email me feel free to dm me or feel free to you know just leave a message um on my instagram linkedin or any platform that you feel you are accessible to my email address is topdeepwithtarzan at gmail.com and also you could find me in instagram linkedin and also you could um, you know text me in spotify or even apple podcast as well so thank you so much guys i'm really looking forward to hearing from you all and let's smash those goals for the new year and let's make this season two you know more effective and you know more 
insightful you know and let's help more international students let's help more graduates and let's build a community that could help each other you know in in a way that you know tomorrow if somebody gets a job the other one could learn from him or get some support from them as well so let's join our hands together and build a community and let's support each other guys thank you so much guys i wanted to end up this podcast for season one in in a good note and wish you all the very best of luck for the new year and a happy new year everybody cheers